do 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 do. All right, here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 227, and it's a Friday show, sweetie. This is Friday fun day. <laughs> yes. Even though we're recording this on a, what day Tuesday. Is, on a Tuesday. But it's still Friday. Didn't Kramer say one time, it, it feels, feels like, like a, tu- it like feels a Tuesday? Like a Tuesday. <laughs> and he's like, Tuesday doesn't have a feel. All days have a feel. What t- what feel does Tuesday have? Tuesday has kind of like a worky feel because you're already like in and but I usually have a lot Monday, of- Wednesday and Thursday also have no, a worky feel. No, Wednesday has a different feel to me. Thursday has an interesting feel because I used to have piano lessons on Thursday and it would stress me out. So I still feel that from my childhood. So I'll be like Thursday and then I remember I don't have When piano. I think of Thursday, I think of uh, when we were little uh, NBC had a good lineup of the Cosby show and Family Ties. Yes, on yes, Thursdays. yes. Thursday was always a good night for tv mm-hmm. but so was friday must night. see tv isn't that what they called it uh maybe and then friday night rider was on no what about what oh saturday was love boat and fantasy island yeah friday was dukes of hazard wasn't fantasy island like just a really bad show Mm-mm. that we all watched no it wasn't you should find tattoo ricardo montalban yeah it wasn't a bad show no it was good because people would come and think that they wanted their fantasy to happen. But really, when it would, it wasn't everything they thought. And and Mr. – what was his name? I was called Mr. 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 Rourke. Rourke. I was going to say Mr. Ross. I'm Ross. Um, Mr. Rourke would kind of know. He'd be like, they think yeah. they need blah, blah, blah. But, but he would always know Was it. he the facilitator of the fantasies? Yeah. Welcome to welcome Fantasy to Island. Fantasy Island. And Tattoo knew what was up to. You think Tattoo had a really good feel for that audition? Well, I don't know. They just had him ring the bell. Yeah, and he he was a part of the show, though, right? Of course he was. He was an, a, an important member of Fantasy Island. I wonder if there's a lot of, uh, they. what's the proper word for short people? Um, Not midgets. No, 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 no. Um, Dwarfs. Yeah, I think. You know what? Yeah. Little people, I think. Like I'm thinking about the um, so the we, TLC show. We plead ignorance here, right? We don't know. You're wondering if there were a lot of people who his size who had like tried it was a it. bunch of regular people, and then tattoo shows up, and then the audition people said, "We want that guy." Well, maybe he was he was an actor before then. Was he? Yeah. So I think that maybe they thought they wanted him. You know whose career's been so fun to watch? Who's Peter Dinklage? Who is that? He's in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's he been- He was an, an elf. He was an elf. But that was- What's interesting that you would bring that up is for that role, his size yeah, played- right. uh, Made a difference. Now he's just an actor. But he is- He's been- He was in this movie called The Station Agent a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing- I mean, obviously his size plays yeah. a role no matter what, but that's not what it was about. Right. Um, he's just had such a amazing career. quite a little career. Yeah. I feel like he's been a trailblazer. What about Mickey from Seinfeld? Well, I loved Mickey. Yeah, I like Mickey and when Kramer. Mickey and Kramer were together. Yeah, those guys yeah. were awesome. I know. Um, so first, what is Zen Parenting Radio? Um, I did. Well, I did want to talk to you about He Man too, because it was so bad. But before we get into He Man, <laughs> we'll talk about uh, Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages seven, ten, and twelve. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember that the motto of our show and our life and everybody's life should be the best (laughs) predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. That should be everybody's motto? That should be everybody's motto. Maybe that could just be something that people embrace. Yeah, hopefully, because it's something we believe in. I'm choosing it. You want to talk about the power of Grayskull? Um, So... 
We feel we had a conversation, a really deep conversation this morning about <laughs> He-Man, the TV show, the cartoon. Something happened where I used to watch TV after school or in the morning. I can't remember. Me too. And I loved all the shows. Me too. And then at some point, I don't He-Man know if it was started. fourth or fifth grade, He-Man. And we're like, what? What? And then, But it was popular. Oh, my gosh, yes. And then there was something after it. I'm picturing animal people. Who were the animal people? I don't know. I don't – but it got bad where I was like, I'm done well, with Well, the this. show itself was bad for us. But I think yeah. maybe they're targeting younger people. Yeah. I don't know. But we like grew out of it. I know. What's up with that? I know. So I just remember being bummed because I would sit down and I'd get – I remember exactly where I'd sit and I would get ready to watch and I'd be like, oh, He-Man's on. And there was – I think that was a big shift in my TV watching. And the masters of the universe. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull. <laughs> Yeah, it's he kinda, has the power. Kind of dumb. Um, yeah, and how about that cringy What's cringer? Cringer. <laughs> He's and, scared, and he was a scared cat. He was a scaredy. But cat. then he turned into a mighty battle cat when he had the power. Yes, when he had the power of Grayskull. So I don't know how I'm going to transition away from He Man over to the topic, but we're going to talk about. Go ahead. Well, let's do. Can I kind of we we prepped our listeners for something that I was going to talk about today. Can I do that quickly so then we can spend the time on this? And I also want to talk about Mother's Day retreat. And the Empowerment Project. Okay, so let's do these things first. The Empowerment Project, Monday, May 18th, um, 7 p.m. at York Theater. Um, This movie is fantastic it's i actually just was reading some reviews and we had already seen it so i know my review but the you know reviews are wonderful um every woman and girl should see it i think every man and boy should see it because it just shines a light on what women can do um what women not what they can do what they're already doing yeah what they're doing yeah we just don't get that in the media so we're doing the screening on monday may 18th so if you want tickets go to oh that was my phone. If you want tickets, go to um, uh, zenparentingradio.com, click events, and you can get tickets. And that's presented by Zen Parenting Radio, uh-huh. as well as Comprehensive Clinical Services. They're, they're our partner. They're help, they helped us uh, bring this, this documentary to our community. It's discoverccs.org, and they are comprehensive. They're a multidisciplinary um, group you. of therapists, and so they not, and they're also uh, multilingual. So it, it's kind of one of those places where you can go and look at all the people who work there and what they focus on and have many people to choose from. I have their their actual mission. It's to empower society by helping individuals of all ages attain their fullest potential through their individual expression of well-being. So say the website one more time. Discoverccs.org. And then again, another thing with this movie is it's appropriate for children nine and up. So please bring your children, your daughters and your sons. Make it a date night. Um, It's, you know, a lot of the documentaries we bring are a little heavier content. And this one is inspiring and empowering for girls, boys and adults. So and then our retreat. Yeah. um, We are offering a Mother's Day retreat. Yeah. And it starts on May 4th and it goes through May 8th. It's or May 9th. It's the week of Mother's Day. May 4th through 8th. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. That's five days. And Mother's Day is the 10th. That's right. And so um, we've done these retreats for the last three or four years. They're really popular. 
And the great thing about it is once you sign up, you can gift it to someone for free. So yeah. you can go through the retreat with someone. It's entirely virtual. It's done via email with some special podcasts that are only, you know, we exclusive have, to the retreaties. We tape them that week during the retreat. So we talk about things that we're discussing. Like He-Man. Like <laughs> important stuff. What's the title of the retreat? Um, True Balance. Or as I like to call it, May the 4th be with you, May the sweetie. 4th be with you. So um, please sign up for the retreat. Again, you can go to events, zenparentingradio.com, click events, and it's there. So um, the, the, the guts of today's podcast is going to be about death <laughs> and a book that I didn't read but know a little bit about called Being Mortal. I thought um, you said you did read it. I did not read it. I read this 20-minute summary of it uh, because I want to talk about it, but I didn't have time to read it yet. So Okay. Um, so that's going to be the guts of it. But as a testament to us being impeccable with our word... We did promise a little bit of discussion about... Well, we we finished the last show on Tuesday talking about how we were going to talk about texts and how that text... I can't say that word right. Text. It's a hard word to it say. It is. Text. text. That it's a... You just have to think of T-E-X. Yeah. Text. Texts. But then there's a T-S too. Texts. The tongue can't do that. But anyway... It's about um, a friend of mine had brought up to me that she had noticed in the last couple of years, maybe even longer, that people um, our age tend to cancel on each other a lot. Like, um, you know, you'll say, oh, let's meet out for a drink. OK, let's do this tonight. And then in the middle of the day, you get a text yeah. saying, you know what? I'm just really tired. Yeah. So let's do it another time. Or they time. lie and make something else or up. Or they make something up, which is even worse, because sometimes you can just read the lie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can feel it energetically. Um and that she gets really bumped mm-hmm. and it, you know, it really bothers her. And she said, she, you know, she said to me, she goes, I know you'll say, don't take it personally. She goes, but it makes me sad because when I, you know, make a commitment to somebody, I really, you know, mean to follow through. And here's why I thought this was important to talk about is I think something that a lot of us do is we overcommit and we also say yes to things because it's easier in the moment, knowing that we really don't want to do it. Mm. And I think that that is where this whole conversation has to start, is are we saying yes to things we really want to do? Because if we're not, then we're going to find every excuse we can to get out of something. We will look for a reason. Mm -hmm. We will be like, you know what? I haven't cooked dinner in five five days. I think I'll cook dinner tonight. I'm going to have to bail on my friend. And I'm not saying – I mean definitely I've canceled on things. I'm not saying that we can never cancel. I'm saying I think the statistic would be lower for canceling if we were actually honest about what we want to do and when we can do it. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Well, I agree with you and I love your friend who brought this up to you because I love when people are impeccable with their word and being impeccable with your word is from the four agreements and it basically says if you say you're going to do something, you do it. Now, to your point, does it mean that there's never a circumstance where you can't cancel on somebody? But generally speaking, I I am one of those people. If I say I'm going to be there at eight o'clock, Mm-hmm. I'm going to be there at 8 o'clock. It doesn't right. mean 8.20. It doesn't mean 8.25. It doesn't mean that I'm going to text them earlier that day and say, you know what? I can't make it. I don't <sighs> like doing that. Right. Um, I would much rather say I'll I'll do the best I can, but uh, let's not commit to it yet or something right. like that because it, it goes along with the second – I don't know if it's the second agreement, but it complements the other of the four agreements, which is don't take things personally uh-huh. too, right? I mean somebody blows you off. 
it's easy to get mad because they're not being impeccable at their word. Yet at the same time, we're instructed by Don Miguel Ruiz to to not take things personally. So it's kind of a, a weird thing between those two ideas. Well, and just to kind of, you know, pull apart the four agreements really quick, when he says don't take things personally, what he's trying to say is people's decisions have really nothing to do with you, meaning they have their view of the world but, and what they... But let me go through the scenario with you. Let's say you're, you plan to have uh, dinner with a friend mm-hmm. and your friend cancels on you. Uh-huh. Maybe it does have. Maybe they just don't like you enough to go have dinner with you. Well, and that's why I wanted to back up to why there's so many questions there. Why am I asking someone to dinner that right. probably isn't a very good friend to me, A? B, um, what was I going to say? Oh, why is that person saying yes mm-hmm. If they really, if that's not something they really want to hold true to, yeah. so there's two sides. Number one, do you see how everybody plays a role in yeah. this? It's not a pointing fingers and can you believe this person cancels? This is why I wanted to look at both sides. Is that we have to be more thoughtful about how we spend our time and how we want to spend our time, and what you know. Sometimes it's okay to just say, you know what. No, I don't. You should pull up that Saturday Night Live thing, the say what you want to say thing, um, especially the first part where that guy is like, there's a good Saturday Night Live. I, we might have even played it. Did we play it a few weeks ago? I don't think ago? so. And he said, hey, let's get together. And she's like, no, I don't want to get together. And that was specific to girls, right? It is. It, it was all women who were doing it. Sometimes it's hard to make our voices heard. We're taught to be polite to be quiet but we must be brave and say what we want to say oh my god jackie i haven't seen you in forever michael hey we should get together get some coffee and let me get your number actually no thank you we're not friends and we're never going to hang out so i'm gonna not do this and i'm gonna go away now Should we do another one or no? Sure, do one more. She's dancing around. These numbers. And then... Knock, knock. Hey, Rick. See you tonight? Heck yeah. Carrie, are you coming to my birthday party? I'm not. And you'll probably never see me outside of work unless you come to my house. Is that more towards women or just people? Well, I think it can be either. I think that men can do this too. But generally speaking, women can relate to this in a major way because when you see someone and they say, hey, we should get together, we have this like pretend thing where we go, yes, Mm -hmm. we need to get together. Well, I have an example. I remember, this is years ago, but we went out with a bunch of old college friends, Uh Donna and And Lou. And Lou. And and there's a whole bunch of us. Uh And, you know, I love them. But because it wasn't, it was a big group. Of it was, people. A, it was like yeah. eight people, yeah, all from eight different places, places right? And we yeah. just happened to be able to swing a get together. And at the end, either you or Donna said, "We got to do this more often." Or all of us were like, "We should." And I was d- like, "Get together like and this." I, I think I said this out loud, but maybe I just said it to you. There's no way in hell. <laughs> We're going to get together. And, but that's the weird thing is it had nothing to do with the time we had together. No, we had a great I love time. Them. But it's not – I'm just realistic. This, they don't live close enough to us. They're not our best friends. Let's just enjoy that dinner for what it was and not say this social crutch of 
let's get let's do it again because you know it's not going to happen. Well, I haven't uh, seen her since. Well, well, I ha- I mean I think I have. <laughs> I I would like to and see that's the tough There's part. There's so many great people. There's out so there. many great people out there. There's so many people I want to see and but there was a, actually this is a boy thing and I'm using a Friends episode. But do you remember when Chandler goes out with uh, Rachel's boss, boss? Yeah, and she's like and he can't not say I'll call you. Yeah, and. Like Rachel sets up a situation where he can actually get out of it and mm-hmm. not say, you know, he actually says, this was great, but I don't think we're going to go out again. And he still says, I'll call you. Right. Like we have a hard time just ending something, like you said, on what it is, even though there are some people in our life that maybe the closer, you know, a closer circle of people that we do want to maintain. <laughs> well, thanks again for lunch. Yes, this, this was pleasant. It was, wasn't it? The food there was, was great. Wasn't it? <laughs> so take care. You too. This was great. I'll give you a call. We should do it again sometime. <laughs> great. I'm looking forward to it. Rachel, any messages? Oh. <laughs> he can't, you know, we can't walk away. Yeah. And and there, part of that is because then there, it's too, the, the goodbye is too big. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more like, oh my gosh, this may be the last time. So I guess my point is, is that how this relates to texts is it's gotten easier to cancel on people because we don't have to pick up the phone. We don't have phone. to deal with it. Right. We Before, we, back in the old days, there was no phone. You'd have to say... One caveman says to the other caveman, <laughs> I, can't, to caveman. I can't meet you at the fire. Right. And then we come up with a phone. They Do you think call- they said that? I can't meet you at the yeah. fire? No, I can't meet you by the fire. I got to go hunt buffalo. <laughs> I, got, I got things to do tonight. So, I have some bills to pay. So then uh, we get phones and we call them up so we don't have to look at them. Right. And that was still hard. That was still hard. And we would say things like, well, I called before our answering machines. Well, I called, yeah. but no one was home. And remember, we'd be like, darn. Remember that Louis C.K. thing where he's talking about? The, phone. the rotary phone. And he's like, and then back in the old days when the phone rang, it would just kind of ring there lonely. <laughs> lonely ring. Yeah. And you'd be mad if someone had a zero in yeah, there. because it would go all, all the way, way around. around. So, you know, if there, and then there were answer machines and sometimes you'd be relieved if there was an answer machine. And then, same, same as voicemail And now. voicemail, but we could figure out a way to go straight to voicemail. Remember that? No, I don't remember that. Well, maybe we no. couldn't. Maybe it just did that sometimes. Yeah. So if you're on the phone and you call, it will go right it to voicemail. It will go right to And you'd be like, whew. Right. And then now we have texts. And yeah. so it's easy to, to make that decision because mm-hmm. sometimes the, well, they're going to meet me there and I don't want them to, I don't want to not show up. Now we can get out of it in a split second. Yeah. So here's what I have to say about that. And then we can close this chapter okay, is on both sides, the person who is getting canceled on, it's a bummer and they have every right to feel the way that they do. And when I get canceled on, it sucks. But I also have been on the other side where I have thought a week looked a certain way, mm-hmm. like, oh, I think I'll do this dinner this night. And yeah, then you're you, like an optimistic You're optimistic planner. about the, the week. And then you jump into the week and there's no mm-hmm. way. You know, you either – something's going on with your kid or you've been sick or your work. And there are times when you just have to take care of yourself because it's a self-care issue. Right. 
But I think what we need to do is not make that a habit, that that is not going to be the constant where someone thinks of us as the person who always cancels. Because if that is the truth, then like you said, we're not being impeccable with our word at all. And to really be honest with each other and maybe pick up that phone um, and, you know, explain our situation. And if we really do want to make a plan, reschedule. Mm -hmm. If we don't want to make a plan, don't be a Chandler. Right. You know? Don't be a Chandler bonk. Don't be a Chandler bonk. Quit doing that. So that's... And close. And scene. So being mortal. Um, hold on. First I'm going to do this. Okay. Good job, sweetie. Way to, way to be impeccable with your work. Well, I, we said we'd talk about it. So I don't know where to begin. I wanted to read this book because my friend Mike, who's a- Well, what's mer- the book so people know? Uh, being Mortal. And Bye. I can't, I can't pronounce. His first name is Atul, A-T-U-L, and his last name is Gawande, okay. G-A-W-A-N-D-E-S. And okay. Some lady on a plane told me to read it. She was a nice lady. After Mike Ross told yeah. you to read it? Wow. And then my friend Mike told me to read it. And it's all about death. Okay. And being mortal and how, um, generally speaking, in our society, we don't talk about it. We don't confront it um, when we're healthy. And we certainly don't confront it when we are getting towards the end of our life. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I'm just in a place in my life where I, I want to kind of strip away some of the fears of death mm-hmm. for myself, for my family members. And, um, you know, the thing that came to fruition for me is I have a 93-year-old grandmother Uh who is in hospice right now. Uh I've been talking to her on the phone every few weeks. She lives in California. She lives in California. It's my mom's mom. And I love her. And uh, But we've been talking about it. And after reading some of this book, and there's actually a front line on it too. Mm -hmm. But you said that wasn't so good. It wasn't as good. It it didn't talk about what I wanted to. So, But there's a front line on it. And I'll try to include that in the show link if I can remember to do that. But I read this Cliff Notes version of this book. Okay. And let me first talk about my grandmother. Um, I kind of got sick of pretending that she wasn't going to die sometime sooner rather than later. She's in hospice. That's kind of what happens. So um, I just kind of threw it out there. I'm like, Grandma, what do you think is going to happen when you die? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I I just have a relationship with her where I can – I felt comfortable asking her that question. She's a strong woman, meaning that she's not meek. 93-year-old strong Norwegian woman. Yeah. And she said, well, I think I'm going to go be with your mom. Real uh-huh. soon, because my mom just passed away in, in August 30th, which is weird. Like, you know, usually the oldest generation dies yeah. first and so on. So it's kind of weird. But she's like, I'm going to go be with your with your mom. And I'm excited. She's like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. I am ready. All of her friends. All of her friends All are of her gone. sisters. Yes. Her mom. Yes. yes. Her brother. Mm-hmm. And now her daughter yeah. is gone. Yeah. And she's just ready. Yeah. So I just threw it out there. Like, I was apprehensive. But I'm like, what do you think is going to happen when you die? She's like, I'm not sure. But I think I'm going to go spend some time with your mom. And, and I just thought that was great. And I think that it felt good for her to talk about yeah. it. So we talked about death for like 15 minutes on the phone. And uh, I shared that story with my two older daughters, JC and Cameron, because I don't know, I just feel like even us adults, we are so um, scared to talk about Mm -hmm. it. And it is such a central part of what we're doing here. No one can avoid it. We're all going to die. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the more you're able to share your feelings about it more freely, um, the better. Now, it's funny because my dad's 74 in decent health and hopefully he has another 20 years left. But I, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't want to be the person who brings up an uncomfortable situation. Like, I don't want to be kind of a, 
an Ebenezer Scrooge or a Debbie, Debbie Downer, Downer. Mm-hmm. but it's an important thing to talk about. Well, and it's all about how it's brought up and in the context. I mean, there are people that really don't want to talk about it, and we shouldn't force our desire to talk about it on But them. I want to just open the door. Opening the door. Because you know what it kind of reminds me of is how in our society we don't talk about emotions very much, right? We right. pretend they're not there or we pretend they're weak or we pretend that it's something we shouldn't talk about. We'll say, oh, you know, um, like I had – or or sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, something that everybody's born with sexuality, yet we like pretend that it doesn't that exist. it doesn't exist, and that children aren't born with you know yeah. an innate ability to reproduce. Yeah. Eventually, it's just this crazy thing, and death is the same thing. And uh, we've been kind of trained and taught that. So it takes somebody right. to open the door to the conversation mm-hmm. to begin to normalize the conversation. Yeah. And a lot of times, in Todd, I'll bring something up to you that you may have forgotten about because I know you don't feel this way anymore, is a couple years ago, probably three years ago, when I really wanted to get a pet. Mm-hmm. One of your reasons to not get a yeah. pet is you were afraid they would die. Yeah. And you didn't want to deal with the aftermath of that. Yeah, I felt like at that time the the expense was not worth what you get out of it. Yeah, you didn't think the trade-off was even. And, you know, any pet owner knows that it's worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, they're devastated when they die, but they have hopefully years and years of joy as a result of having this pet in their house. And, they, and I was just protecting myself. I don't want to be sad. Yeah. I, you know, there's enough sadness to go around. And I'm not, I can't have cats because you're allergic and dogs just seem like a lot of work. So we compromised and got a bunny rabbit. We did. Now, the interesting thing is, and people who listen to the show know this, but our rabbit, our first rabbit did have an issue yeah. and died. Yeah. And Greeley. Greeley. We love Greeley. And we have Greeley pictures. The originals and bunny. Yeah. We have Greeley pictures all over our house. And in our backyard, we have a Greeley statue. It's a statue of a, a bunny, yeah. like an outdoor statue. And we put Greeley's ashes back there. And we talk about Greeley all the time. Mm-hmm. So much so that Skylar drew on the sidewalk out mm-hmm. front a picture of every family member we have. Yeah. I mean, she went through. Yeah. And Greeley had a huge yeah. space. like. Greeley's not gone. I mean, mm-hmm. Greeley has passed away, but Greeley's still in our family. And why that's important is that's the kind of discussions right. that we have. There is no, there's no like, oh, don't talk about Greeley. It's too sad. Right. It's it, Greeley is. You know, we will even compare sometimes and talk about because we have Smokey now. You know, Greeley used to do this. Smokey does this. Or look at how similar that is to Greeley. Yeah. And that conversation is so freeing for children. Yeah. Because I think one of the things about death. Is I think especially for kids, they think it's over forever, yeah. and it, we have to pretend that this this being was never with us. Well, and I want to I want to switch over to human beings in a second. But when Greeley died, you remember your initial instinct was to get rid of his pen and remove the yes, the, uh, you know, and his that was food for me. and water and yeah. everything uh, before the girls were even told. Right. And Jessica, God bless her, yes. said, absolutely do not do, do that. Not do so that. why did she say not to do that? Well, I called, I was talking to my friend Jessica and literally Greeley had died in my arms an hour before. So I was like, I have to go clean everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it was like, I needed to fix something because yeah. I was in this, in this deep grief. And she said, do not move a thing mm-hmm. because they need to be able to come home and See feel that, that he's not feel there. that loss yeah. and recognize. Don't pretend. Don't it didn't pretend. Happen. Don't pretend. So, in in here's another interesting thing. Cameron, it, she hasn't asked me in the last like probably month, mm-hmm. but there was a period of time where she would say, because we have a goldfish that's lived forever. Yeah, it's like, like some crazy kicking goldfish right. that we got at a like at a carnival or something. Uh, we got it at Daddy Daughter Dance. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And Goldie survived a trip 
down the garbage disposal. Yeah, I threw the goldfish. We, we didn't turn garbage. it on, but no, I, yeah, it was a mistake. It was totally my fault. Um, but yeah, so Goldie has withstood a lot of things. But she asked me over and over again, "Have you replaced our goldfish?" Mm-hmm. Because she had read a book or mm-hmm. seen something. Parents do that where a parent had they replaced the, the goldfish. And I sat her down finally because she asked me a number of times. I said, "I would not do that." Mm-hmm. If a pet dies, I would want you to be a part of, you know, to but know that. that happens all the time. So my question is, why do parents do that? Because they're trying to protect their children. And they don't want to, and the parents don't want to deal with the discomfort yes. of seeing their children sad. Yes. Once again, parents' intention is great. Right. It's all love. It's all love, but it's not the best way to handle it. Right. Because it's not real. Right. It happens. That's right. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about the end of life. Okay. Um, because that frontline and this book talks a lot about nursing homes and things like that and how assisted filling, assisted living facilities kind of came to fruition just in the last yeah. 20 or 30 My years. Grandma was in one. And, and what mm-hmm. that was all about. And what it was all about was that elderly people were not necessarily afraid of death. They were more – they were pissed off for losing control of their life. Beautiful. They did not have the ability to lock their door in a nursing home. Totally. They did not have the ability to bring their goldfish. Totally. And then some – smart woman, she's in the book, came along and said, well, let's give them a lock on the door, give them the ability to adjust their thermostat. Have their own place. Have their own... Their little that's apartment. Why it, and and their, the happiness level skyrocketed right. when they did studies. And then, you know, corporate America got involved and started calling something an assisted fill assisted living facility and it, and it was just more of a nursing home. Uh, so now like there's this renaissance of what's a real assisted living facility right. and what's a real nursing home. So that's the one thing is that uh, old people get grumpy, not because they're near death, but because they lose all control of everything. They get told when to eat. They get told how hot the room has to be. Right. They cannot lock their door for right. privacy. Well, they're treated like children. They're treated like and, children. And that's the thing is we sit here, you and I at 43, and we pretend like we're not going to be old someday. Right. Imagine if somebody took away, mm-hmm. we can't drive anymore. We don't have our house anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't have your pet anymore. I mean, what What the hell is that? So the other thing in the book is they talked about, you know, say 40 years ago, I don't know. Um, most people died at home. And because medicine was not nearly as good. Western medicine has given them the ability to extend life. Right. Now the question is at what expense? Mm -hmm. So what's that like? Um, And, you know, back in the old days, there was usually one parent, um, you know, say somebody our age, like I was working and you were at home. So you were around to take care of grandma. Right. But now that there's most households, both middle-aged people work there's nobody here right. to take care, right. which is why nursing homes and assisted living facilities exist. Existed, so like our culture has shifted, definitely. Um, but like it, the whole thing about you know going into intensive care and living being on a ventilator, mm-hmm. um, it says, and I'm pulling this right from this summary: to die painfully in intensive care attached to a ventilator is not what most people want, but it's what many people experience. Surveys have shown that seriously ill people want to be able to enjoy their final days with loved ones and to be free from pain and have a sense of control over their death. Above all, they want to achieve a sense of completion. In most of human history, people sickened and died quickly because there was no medical help for them. Death was an everyday part of life, and people died stoically at home, distributing their goods and making their last wishes known. So um, that just talks a little bit about, you know, how things, where things 
came from to where they're going right now. Right. And that's the thing is, is again, because I always like to make sure we're balanced on this discussion, Western medicine and the things we can do to prolong people's life have become really amazing things. And in my own family, my dad's life was saved in many ways because of medication. 20 years ago, your dad would not have survived the right. heart attack. And he, you know, so I am very grateful for yes. everything that's available. We're not demonizing that. Yet at the same time, there are times when there are situations that we are unwilling to accept. Mm -hmm. So we take it to an extreme. Mm -hmm. And and here's what you and I have talked about because we talk about this a lot is we don't know what that – sometimes we don't know. We don't know when, that, when it's time to let go. We don't know. But here's a, another study done in 2010 at Massachusetts General Hospital found that patients referred to hospice – early in the dying process, live 25% longer and experience less pain than similar patients receiving standard treatment. And that's something that is something we can share with all of our listeners is that hospice is not just for last days. Mm -hmm. Hospice can be for a long extended period of time, which is basically more about um, life. What's the word I'm looking for? Life extending? Life life extending. No. quality of life. Yes. How you want to, you know that there is an end. You don't know when it will be exactly, but you know that there's a terminal situation or, you know, an age situation. And so hospice can go on for a long period of time. Well, and here's the thing. We need to have these conversations when our loved ones are healthy. Yes. I should have this conversation with my dad because he's healthy and he's 74. He has had some discussions with you. No, that's post-death. That's after. He's like, oh, give my body to science and do it, but not when before that. Right. So he, I know exactly what to do after he dies, mm-hmm. but we have not talked about what happens if he becomes sick. How hard should we try to keep you alive as long as we can if it's at the expense of a lot of pain and suffering? Or quality of life. Quality of life, being in a hospital. Listen to this. This is just amazing to me. As many as two-thirds of terminally ill patients accept treatments they do not want just to please family members or doctors. Absolutely. That's, I, I believe it, but it's crazy. I, I, That's why we need to have these discussions now. And my, uh, my grandfather had cancer and he just, you'd have to know my grandparents to understand this entire story, but he did not think he would go first. Yeah. My grandmother was older and she had more medical issues. So he mm-hmm. did everything he could in his 80s mm-hmm. to stick around. Yeah. And I don't know if that was in his best interest. I don't, I mean, again, it is what it is. And so we accept it and we deal with it as it is. Um, but, you know, chemo and that kind of thing in your 80s and 90s, um, that's tough, man. That's it's tough. That's brutal. Yeah. I mean, if it's, uh, you know, we, there's no magic age. Like, no. what's the age? No, 78? There isn't. 82? It's different no, for everybody. It's different for everybody. But if you got tumors growing all over your body and you're 94 years old, do you really think you want chemicals pumping through your body to try yeah. to extend it? Now, everybody should have their own. They have a right. They have a right. Yep. But I, all I'm saying is we need to have, you know, most of the people listening to this show have parents that are you know, getting up there in in age. And I feel like it's important to have these discussions. And, you know, not just with our parents. Todd and I talk about these things between us, like Mm -hmm. not... Oh, pull the plug. Pull it. I do not want to be in a hospital. You know, if there's a good chance, you know, if it's a 0.5 chance, pull the plug. Right. If there's a 20% chance, let's keep trying. (laughs) Let's keep going. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is we have to have a sense of... 
honesty about it and not think that talking about it is going to cause it. Yeah. Because the more – see, these are pieces of our subconscious that we like push away and we pretend we're not mortal. Yeah. Especially when we're teenagers. Yeah. Oh, my God. You yeah. like really think you're immortal. Right. But that's part of their brain development. That's a whole other thing. But the thing is, is that – there are – it's not about – I feel like the more we have these discussions and kind of have a lightness to it, the less we're scared about mm-hmm. it because you know, part of just self-awareness and a lot of the teaching and, and studentship that I've experienced is talking about these kind of things so they don't scare me. Um, I'm not saying – I mean I want to live as long as I can mm-hmm. and I want to be on this earth as long as I can. So I'm not saying, oh, it's no big deal. I'm saying that and I think I've said this on the show, when I teach my college class, the first thing I say to my students is, do you know you're going to die someday? Yeah. And I say that to wake them up to their lives. Yeah, carpe. Carpe. Like, this is this is it. Mm-hmm. And don't think you have a whole nother, you know, the whole dress rehearsal thing. This is not a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. This is now when, this is when you're going to do it. So if there's something you want to do, do it because nothing is guaranteed to you. Leads me to, I think I shared on the show last week, my favorite thing that you have printed at, in, in Galena in the basement that you gave to Peggy or something. Uh-huh. You know, all those things that you always want to do. Oh, the peg. Yeah, Peg's got it. Yeah, you should go do them. Yeah. So, what's the quote? Totally. You know all those things that you always wanted to do. You should go do them. Right. Just go do them. So, listen to this. This is back from the book. Uh, the author found that two kinds of courage are needed when facing death. One is the courage to accept the reality of death, and the second is the courage to act on it. All right. So, studies have shown that uh, people have two kinds of experiencing selves. One endures every second of an experience equally. Stay with me here. But the other remembers the experience with significance placed on the worst moments and the last moment. A few pain-free moments at the end of a procedure improve patients' perceptions of the whole experience. So this is about death. Like this is how do we leave this world? Good moments at the end also improve perceptions of an already pleasurable experience, such as when a sports team pulls out a last-minute victory. Life overall is an experience and people want that good moment at the end to validate their long journey. That is why it is important to refashion the way dying patients are treated. Mm. That just means finish the way you want to finish. Mm-hmm. Don't finish hooked up to a ventilator in a hospital trying to extend, well, I should speak for me. Right, yeah. Because I some people... don't want to be on a ventilator extending my life by a month if I could have a really good week at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that, again, because there's no easy answers in this, it's just the processing of it of, you know, I I also think that sometimes we don't have these choices. Right. That's true. That sometimes there are ways that people pass that are not that great. Mm -hmm. And if it be accidents or crimes. And the reason I bring that up is because one thing, I got this from Dr. Phil, is that sometimes we, we also place all this emphasis on that last moment mm-hmm. and forget to look at their entire life. Right. That that was one moment in time. Right. And it wasn't what anyone wanted. Right. And it wasn't great. But the truth is this person lived this long, beautiful life. I completely appreciate your point and I think it's a good one. I think what the author is trying to say in this book and what I'm trying to say is most of the time we have a little more choice over the way we choose to leave this world. Mm-hmm. And we do not... Um, think about it. We don't choose things that we have the choice of doing because we we feel like 
we're too scared or we feel like we might have upset our kids or our doctor or right. something like that. And if we were more open and vocal, because a lot of times people get into these situations and while they're even in it making decisions, they're still not talking about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And And the thing is, you don't have to like call your parent and be like, okay, what do you want me to do? It's about when they come up naturally, keep the conversation going, ask the questions that you need to ask. You and I have both been confronted with this in our families, and it's been helpful Mm -hmm. to ask these questions, like to what's going to happen here or what do we hope will happen? What do you want for yourself? Mm -hmm. And um, there's like talk again, you know, we talked about intimacy Mm -hmm. on the last show about showing your dark. This this can be perceived as dark. It's really not. It's not. It's not because it's just part – but it can be perceived as scary. Let's mm-hmm. say that. It's a very vulnerable and intimate thing mm-hmm. to talk with someone about their life. Yeah. Um, and the thing that's interesting is like your experience with your grandma. She's such a good teacher because when people get older, there's more acceptance mm-hmm. of – the passing because yeah. they've lost friends and partners and it's not I mean to some people it may remain scary yeah but i think sometimes we're in our again it's the empathy thing we have to get in their shoes yeah and instead of just say well i'm afraid of it because i have children to raise blah 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 it's not about you yeah get step outside step of yourself step outside of yourself and step in their shoes i remember my great grandma inga used to always say well when i go that's what that's the phrase she used when i go and i as a 8 year old boy who loved my great grandmother i would get very uncomfortable and but she was very okay with it yeah. when i go right. she know she knew that she was closer to it than than i was right for and sure and all she was she's just making um she was just saying something that's honest. She's just being right. honest. When I go, I want you to blah, 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 or whatever it was that she was talking about. But Can I share something that sure. I don't know how many more passages no, you no, want to read? No, no, we're good. We're good. Um, in my first book, The Self-Aware Parent, I actually wrote about um, how to deal with grief and things like arrangements, funeral arrangements, when you have children. Mm. Um, I had a girlfriend whose mother passed away in, it must have been 2009 because it was when, or 2007 when my first book came out. And I'd happened to write something to her mm-hmm. about, because she was worried about her children because it was their grandmother. And some of the things that you can do for your kids, like if someone in your family passes away and they're expected to be at services, is explain to your children exactly what's going to happen and what's it, what it's going to look like. Even like my suggestion to her was, since you have to do all the arrangements, take your kids to the funeral home yeah. and show them where you're going to be, mm-hmm. why certain things are set up, what's going to happen, and don't don't bring them in to the shockingness of it can be very shocking sure. if there's an open casket. Yeah. Prep them. Let them know that this is a tradition. This is something that you know your grandma wanted because mm-hmm. not everybody wants open yeah. casket anymore. Um, that's sometimes sometimes people get cremated. There's all sorts of different ways, and that. You know, prep your children for these kind of experiences and talk to them about it. And then here's a huge important thing. When it's over, continue talking about it. What was that experience like for you? What did you feel when you were in there? And they may say, like kids, you know, we kind of experience this a little with your mom. Kids sometimes can be kind of detached from it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where they're like, actually, it was okay. Yeah. And that's okay. You don't need to say, well, you should have been sadder. Well, and I would say don't force them to go up to the casket. If they don't want to, nope. They nope. don't want to. Nope. Let them. Let them stay in the lounge where the food is if they want to. That's a thing. Sometimes there may be a curiosity and they want to go. Sure. Let them. 
Well, you got to prepare them. But that's sometimes we again. Todd, Depends on the age. Too. Todd and I always try and stay in that gray area where one extreme is you're not going to go at all. We're going to pretend it didn't happen. Right. You know. It, and then the other extreme is no. You have to come yeah. up to the casket. You have to do your yeah. prayers. Get on your knees and. And that's extreme too yeah. because that child may not be ready for that. Yeah. And when I'm saying child, I'm even talking about a preteen. Yeah. Because this is big stuff, yeah. especially if it's somebody that they so. Talk, mm-hmm. communicate. Is our message any different than it's ever been before? No. no. You just need to open these conversations up and it starts with your own comfort level. Yeah. So that's what self-awareness is. Where are you with death? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying – you because who's ever super comfortable with it? But can I talk about it? Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Don't shun it. That's okay. right. It's something that every single one of us on this planet share. Part of it. And every single ancestor, every single person's going to come after us. Yep. We all share it. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird – to your point about this book and bringing up this discussion, it's a weird thing that we don't discuss. Well, I'm surprised we've been doing this for five years. We haven't talked about death, really. I know. You're right. Well, a little bit because of Greeley and your mom. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's been brought up, but this is more about the big picture. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, if you have any comments, if you think we're nuts, uh, let us know. Shoot us a comment. Uh, Why at, would they think we're nuts? I don't know. Maybe they disagree with us. On what part? All of it. Oh, okay. Um, so you can comment by just going to zenparentingradio.com slash 227. Um, what do we want to promote? you got three books, sweetie. I do. Uh, the Self-Aware Parent, uh, Self-Aware Parent 2. The Just so you know, the story that I just told, that's in the first Self-Aware Parent. The Self-Aware Parent 2. And then Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The uh, Power of Self-Aware Parenting. Also, don't forget about the Empowerment Project. Get your tickets for that movie. Sign up for our Mother's Day retreat. It's lovely. It's just an opportunity to kind of bring some good stuff into your day as you get ready for Mother's Day. You know, kind of extend your Mother's Day a bit. Again, go to zenparentingradio.com, click events. Um, Empowerment Project. I said that. You did? Good job. Thank you. Um, Give us a review on iTunes. Share our show. Help, Help us out. Help us out. Help me help Help you. you. Um, All right, sweetie. Words of wisdom. What do you got? Um, Communicate. Communicate. Talk. Open it up. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. It doesn't have to be super comfortable. That's what courage is. Courageousness means sometimes moving forward, even when it's a little scary. Very good, sweetie. And I'm going to (laughs) say... Just be cool, man. <laughs> Just be cool. Hi, right, guys. Uh, see you next week. We'll talk next week. Adios.